Welcome to the Humanity Matters broadcast. I'm Dr. Philip Fletcher, your host, where we discuss and reflect on theology, philosophy, leadership, and nonprofits. We're continuing our series, Meet the Candidates, a discussion on poverty in Arkansas. Politicians play a critical role in either creating barriers or tearing down barriers for the persons they represent. In essence, politicians are persons who have been granted the opportunity to address life. So we have a diversity of perspectives on how we can best address poverty in our society. How can we assist persons and create opportunities for men and women uh, to exercise their capabilities, improving themselves and others? It is important for the poor in our society that their concerns be addressed in a loving, civil, and nonviolent manner. For us to move forward, we have to work together in love and for the good of each other. Today, I have with me Governor Asa Hutchinson, who is running for re-election as governor of Arkansas. How are you doing today, sir? Good. Great Good. to be with you. Yes, I'm glad you're here. Uh, so please uh, provide us a little bit about yourself. Please tell us about yourself. Well, I think everybody knows some of the public positions I've held, mm -hmm. and from Congress to being in uh, the Bush administration and going back to be a federal prosecutor. But more importantly, I grew up on a farm in uh, northwest Arkansas near Gravit. Okay. Half mile down a dirt road. I had wonderful parents that uh, had high school educations, but they worked hard. My dad worked in a poultry plant and had a okay. farm. Uh, and so really a blue collar background, okay. but in a loving home. And uh, But they taught me about work mm -hmm. and they taught me about the importance of education. Okay. And because I had that opportunity, it's made a difference to me okay. in the opportunities that I have. I've got a wonderful wife. We just celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary with uh, four children and six okay. grandchildren, and uh, those are the joys of life. Okay. You got any interest, sports, interest, hobbies? Well, I got up this morning and I played full court basketball. Really? So okay. I do that every uh, Friday morning. Okay. And uh, so I love I love sports uh, okay. of every kind. I love reading. Okay. Uh, I like uh, uh, historical biographies. Okay. Reading Ul Ulysses Grant right now, or okay. Ron Chernoff. All right. So those are some of my hobbies and passions. Okay, ball player. Good stuff. Yeah, I. Well, you know, my my grandkids uh, play ball. I play with them. I play with all my okay. sons. And but as long as I can keep it up, I I really enjoy the uh, full court basketball. It gives me the best exercise. And so I've yeah. got a group, and we play uh, every Friday, and okay. and uh, we get after it. It's nice. It's nice. So why are you seeking another term of elected office? You know, because uh, I I. I believe in public service. Okay. Uh, you know, we're here on this planet to make a difference in life and to be a good steward of the talents that we have. Yeah, I agree. God's given me uh, uh, opportunities that a lot of people don't have uh, and has given me uh, certain skills, and I want to use those, and, and mine is in the uh, public arena right now. Okay. And so I, I'm running for re-election because uh, I want to make a difference, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I believe in Arkansas. I'm I, know that uh, our economy is growing, people are working, we're creating jobs, uh, we're improving education, we're addressing problems day in and day out. Most mm -hmm. of them don't even get on the front page of paper, just addressing problems. And uh, while four years seems like a long time, uh, you lay the foundation mm -hmm. uh, for what you can do in the future as well. So I can point to a lot of success, but there's a lot of things that we've started, we want to be able to finish. Uh, I'm running for re-election because uh, we do want to bring more jobs, raise the living wage here. Uh, we want to uh, have the reading program in our public schools, continue the STEM education. Okay. We need a new highway plan. 
uh, all of those things are on the agenda for a second term. Oh, good, good. So uh, when we today talk about uh, poverty, uh, can you offer us your definition of poverty, especially from you know your years as serving as the governor and being able to um, understand and see the state? Uh, what's your understanding of poverty? You know, I, I look at poverty as, you know, a strict definition, I assume, would be uh, the lack of resources. Okay. You know, whether it might be the lack of a vehicle, uh, it might be the lack of a job, it might be the uh, don't have the resource of a home, and, and those are, are pure definitions of poverty. Uh, but I think there's another layer of poverty that is even more difficult, and that's the generational poverty. Okay. And that's uh, when you, you don't know hope, you don't have hope, and you can't see hope. And that, that is a, a dark cloud uh, over uh, people, and uh, that's what we've got to overcome. And it's about uh, applying resources and having a safety net, but it's also about uh, changing that historical context of poverty. Okay, that's good. Uh, once again, it's Dr. Philip Fletcher. I'm here with Governor Asa Hutchinson, and we are at the Community Matters broadcast discussing poverty in Arkansas. If you have a question, uh, please chime in. We're only I'm only taking questions that are relating to poverty issues. And so uh, on your Facebook, on our Facebook, you can just put the question in and I'll see about taking it. And uh, next, sir, uh, what is the role of government in addressing poverty? Uh, in the discussion that I'm seeing uh, rising up uh, over the years, we're, it seems like we're having this divide of there needs to be more government involvement versus less government involvement, free market uh, types of approaches. Uh, how are you understanding the role of government in addressing poverty? Well, you can debate it in a pure philosophical sense. If you're in Europe, they have a, a much greater role of government uh, in providing uh, social benefits. That's a fundamental uh, value in Europe. In the United States, we come from a different uh, historical and political context mm -hmm. in which the government has a much more limited role mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you have a difference uh, even in the Christian arena yeah. as to uh, the role of uh, Christians and and in meeting social needs out there. Mm -hmm. You've got traditional Catholic doctrine that is very uh, heavy on uh, uh, the social responsibilities yeah. and the social gospel, and you've yeah. got others that have a much more limited role. Uh, so a lot of debate there. I, I come down that, uh, first of all, it is government's responsibility to have a, a safety net. Okay. And so the SNAP program, okay. you know, is very important mm -hmm. that uh, there's a fundamental ability to provide uh, a level of food uh, for the children and for the, those that are in poverty. Mm -hmm. uh, so the safety net's important. There's a safety net uh, uh, in terms of our TANF benefits for those in needy families. Uh, so that safety net is very, very important. I think uh, beyond that, uh, you know, the government needs to recognize that uh, it's the private sector. There is a role for individual responsibility, and that's a part of the mix, in my judgment. That's why we have a work requirement for able-bodied uh, Medicaid recipients, uh, you know, if they're healthy and they should be working, then there's a level of responsibility if you're going to take a social benefit. Uh, so there's the balance there. Okay. And within that balance, there's a lot of gray areas that you have to struggle with. You know, the food security side of it is very important. I'm a, 
big fan of our food banks across uh, Arkansas, mm -hmm. and I love the balance with we give some state dollars to the food banks, mm -hmm. uh, and we also have a great contribution to the private sector and the volunteer mm -hmm. uh, organization. Mm -hmm. So that's a kind of balance, and there's there's some things that government can't do. Yeah. Uh, one, you can't identify the needs as well. You can't uh, minister to the broader uh, individual and to give greater hope as much. All you can do is sustain. Mm -hmm. And the sustenance is very important, but yeah. you got to balance that with giving them greater help to and greater hope. Okay. Can we, uh, when you first, uh, your first term, you had launched your initiative, uh, Restore Hope, yeah. and uh, addressing foster care and uh, recidivism. And uh, wanted to focus more on the foster care issue. How do you think that's gone in, in helping families, and especially those uh, poor, vulnerable children? Uh, how would you evaluate that initiative? Uh, I think it's been successful okay. in the sense that it's moved us from a crisis okay. into a, uh, uh, a more sustaining plan mm -hmm. that uh, is addressing the problem on a regular basis and making improvements. For example, uh, you know, we've increased greatly the number of foster parents uh, that are that are available to take the children in need. Uh, we have uh, broken down some of the barriers for uh, the call and for foster parents mm -hmm. who want to get the training. Some mm -hmm. of the obstacles were on the government side, okay. we've broken down some of those. Uh, we had the uh, uh, Paul Vincent report that uh, recommended we uh, put more of our foster children with kin mm -hmm. uh, placement versus mm -hmm. uh, just regular foster okay. parents, okay. and we've improved that. And then we've improved, uh, you know, the training of our caseworkers and uh, reduced the caseload for them. Okay. All of these are moving toward uh, fulfilling and meeting the goals of the Paul Vincent report that mm -hmm. said we had about 11 deficiencies. So we've made some tremendous strides and it's made a difference for the children. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've, and because of the, the uh, Restore Hope initiative, we brought in more faith-based organizations, okay. more volunteers. So it's not just a government response, but it's a partnership response. Okay. Where do you see that going from here? Uh, you know, we take that uh, year by year. Okay. Right now, the Restore Hope uh, you know, it started out just simply as uh, convening faith-based organizations and government. How can we address that? And it moved into a uh, nonprofit organization, Restore Hope, mm -hmm. that is actually in Fort Smith. That's in Searcy. It is in uh, Hot Springs. Okay. Really providing uh, leadership on a regular basis okay. and training the community and looking at it not just on we have a foster uh parent need here, uh, but they're looking at it in terms of their reentry programs. They're looking at it in terms of why are children going into foster care? What can the community do more? Mm -hmm. Is there a policing problem? Are the judges making right decisions? So yeah. it engages the community and yeah. uh, trying to figure out what works best for them. So that's a right now a, a continuing effort in a very organized fashion. Mm -hmm. We want to measure its success year by year and see if that should continue. Good. Thank you very much for that. Yes. So um, let's talk about healthcare in the news. Um, and you mentioned uh, persons who are accessing uh, the social benefit, the correct summation of it, but also personal responsibility. Um, talk about that because I've read, you know, about 300,000 uh, in 
uh, in the rolls. That's right. There's yeah. about there were up actually up to three hundred thirty thousand. Okay. They're on the Medicaid expansion. Yeah. And uh, we got our systems in better order, okay. and that number's been reduced about two hundred eighty thousand. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, if you look at who the work requirement applies to, we know automatically the bulk of those are working, and yeah. so we can ex- they're taken care of. Uh-huh. And then we know that there's a element other, otherwise that are fragile health-wise, right. and so they're exempt, or we might know that they got children at home and they're exempt. So you might wind up with uh, seven or eight thousand mm-hmm. that are that are unknown. Yeah. And so we send out notice to them. You've got to verify that you're working, mm-hmm. uh, or that uh, you've got some type of an exemption that applies to you. And so that's what we're focusing on. The objective is not to kick them off the rolls. Yeah, I think in, in reading on this, that's kind of how it people are interpreting it as. And um, you know, how do we? And I agree with you. You know, as a social benefit, there is some responsibility that has to be maintained. Um, and so, uh, it, it's important. Uh, I, I think for everybody to understand comprehensively what you're trying uh, to achieve on this matter. Yeah, and I appreciate the opportunity yeah. uh, because uh, and what we're trying to achieve is that those 7,000, mm-hmm. they're the ones that could be entrenched in poverty mm-hmm. and they don't have the educational skills to get a job. Mm-hmm. They're able-bodied, but yeah. they don't know how to get out of their circumstance. And so we're able to identify them put them in worker training mm-hmm. to improve their skills and okay. point them in the right direction for a job because that's the goal is to get them working Yeah, because m- most of them want to work. Yeah. Now, you've got another element that uh, they would just as soon not work. They're getting a social mm-hmm. benefit and and they got to make a decision. Do mm-hmm. they want the social benefit or, or do they want to contribute mm-hmm. and be responsible? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a certain number that's going to lose health care coverage as a result of this. Okay. But uh, we're doing everything we can to keep that health care coverage, to get them the worker training, to help them uh, to meet the uh, objectives of it, and uh, and if they need employment, to help them get employment. Do you see, you know, moving forward, once again, uh, anything you would like to improve on in uh, as it currently exists with uh, the health care in Arkansas? Uh, what kind of leadership you provide uh, to provide? It, the whole discussion about access and affordability and all of that. What what things would you like to propose moving forward? Well, of course, we're talking about health care in terms of poverty. Yes, those that are making, uh, you know, the poverty level right. or below. And, you know, in those terms, we I support the continued health care coverage yeah. for those that are trying to get up that economic ladder. Yeah. I, you know, I went into uh, one store and uh the lady behind the counter was clearly having a bad day and i yeah. started talking to her and it's because she worked all night at hospice then she okay. comes in and works in a restaurant during the day she's got kids at home yeah she's probably the perfect example of somebody that's getting uh, health care assistance mm-hmm. through medicaid and she's working hard mm-hmm. thank goodness we're able to help them mm-hmm. meet their needs during a very difficult time another story is someone who was trying to get through their education yeah. single mom, didn't have health care coverage. We provided that health care coverage, and she wrote us a letter saying now she's got a job, she's making too much money. So she's no longer uh, on the Medicaid, yeah. and that's the way it should work. Yeah. As to, 
I think we've got to continue to watch the cost of it. Okay. And that's why, you know, I don't want to have 330 or 400,000 people on the Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we've got to target our limited resources in the state yeah. to those that need the greatest help. Okay. Uh, and that's a balance of uh, responsibility. It's a balance of training. Mm -hmm. It's a balance of cost. Quite, mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, and I and I think we've proven that we can manage that and yeah. get the needs to uh, help to those that need it the most. Okay. Um, and so far, enough, looking at work in, in ways that you spoke about the lady who's working in one job and now yeah. you know she's at another one. It's her kids, uh, time with her kids spent is decreased. Um, where do you see uh, improvement in wages? You would talk about that uh, in your introduction about. Um, Popular term is a living wage, you know, those terms. What do you see uh, improvements that we can do here in the state for the poor in, in ways raising the amount of money they make? Well, uh, we've signed uh, over 300 uh, agreements to expand existing industry in Arkansas okay. or to bring new industry in. Okay. The average wage rate is $20 an hour. Okay. Uh, that is a good wage rate. We just announced uh, Aerojet Rocketdyne down in Camden, Arkansas, mm -hmm. uh, is going to expand 140 jobs, and that average wage is $85,000 a piece. It might be $55,000 okay. a piece, okay. but it's a good, That's good livable way. wage. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, to me, is very important. I know we have a debate about the minimum wage. Yeah. Uh, I like the debate being about what's the livable wage and what's the average wage rate in Arkansas that we're bringing in. Mm -hmm. And we're uh, growing that wage rate uh, every day. Yeah. And we're trying to recruit those industries that pay good wages. Mm -hmm. um, yes, the, the minimum wage, I was uh, coming down here and heard a uh, politician speak about raising minimum wage to $15 in, in an hour. Uh, and I'm assuming it was federal uh, that he was speaking of. Um, pros and cons of that, from your perspective. What's the pros and cons of that? Well, the pro is that, uh, and, and the ballot initiative, mm -hmm. uh, I think, raises it to $11 over the next mm -hmm. three years. I believe that is the incremental increase. Mm -hmm. And the advantage is that uh, most people in Arkansas uh, think that $11 is probably the minimal you can have to uh, uh, provide for your family mm -hmm. on. Um, uh, the con is that, uh, or the concern, yeah. is that you're trying to lock in for the next three years to increase the minimum wage, and we don't know what the economy is going to be like. Okay. And who gets hit from this would be the marginal worker, okay. that person that doesn't have a high level of education mm -hmm. and job skill training, or it's that teenager looking for a first-time mm -hmm. job. McDonald's is a good example of it. If you uh, you know, it's, they're they're a pretty good first time employer for yeah. young people, but they're going to kiosk. Yeah. And so that if you continue to raise that minimum wage where they can't pay a starter wage, mm -hmm. then uh, you know they're going to go to automation yeah. uh, much faster than they yeah. would ordinarily. Yeah. So I think you've got to worry about the youth as and those that are entering mm -hmm. uh, the workforce. You got to worry about uh, an economic downturn when you're locking in higher wage rate. Mm -hmm. This would put us one of the top in the country. Okay. Uh, so I believe you ought to periodically raise the minimum mm -hmm. wage. I would much prefer the General Assembly to do it Okay. versus putting it on the ballot and 
everybody wants to increase their debt for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen uh, our grocery stores in town. Uh, one in particular, they moved a lot of their registers towards self checkout, um, and the number of persons that you used to see working in the, you know, talking to and uh, seeing work at a cash register, you know, the number has decreased, and you know, they're encouraging you to shop on your own and check out on your own. And I know that's a concern of mine is, you know, that's an entry level type job for a lot of people uh, to get started. And, you know, when you're pushed more towards, you know, automation, um, the uh, a consequence of that number of actual bodies working is, is reduced. Uh, that, that's absolutely right. Yeah. That uh, automation comes, whether it's in agriculture or mm -hmm. whether it's in food service, and uh, that's a fact of life. But when you have that automation, that means that more of the jobs that you have are highly skilled and requires more training yes. and education. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you're eliminating those marginal jobs, mm -hmm. and which enhances, increases the need for more training, mm -hmm. uh, more education of the worker. And in Arkansas, uh, you know, we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to be careful about eliminating uh, yes. those first-time jobs and those entry-level jobs that really are important uh, for us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, once again, it's Dr. Philip Fletcher. I'm here with Governor Asa Hutchinson, and it's the Meet the Candidate series, and we're discussing poverty in Arkansas. And so, sir, uh, moving forward uh, you, with your administration, you get a second term. Um, you're blessed to have a second term. Uh, what do you see as plans for helping those in low-income situations in your second term? What would you think about? Well, housing is very important. Okay. Yes. And uh, if you talk to some of our communities across Arkansas, uh, the affordable housing, yeah. there's a shortage. Yes, sir. And uh, so uh, we do have, uh, through our ADFA, which is our Department of Finance Authority, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, they have some rental assistance programs, mm -hmm. first-time homebuyer programs. Those are important. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to encourage our builders to not just build uh, $200,000 homes, but have affordable homes that are available. Okay. Uh, home ownership is important. Yeah. Uh, and so that's part of it. I think the uh, we need to continue to emphasize our food security. Okay. Uh, that's a challenge for us. And so I want to be an advocate for our food banks, uh, you know, for those children that are going to school uh, without having breakfast at home or having parents that uh, take care of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the uh, program for... Uh, uh, you know, after the after the bell breakfast, yeah. that's part of the school day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know there's philosophically you just soon have the parents raise the kids and the schools not worry about it as much. But the fact is, we need to have our schools making mm -hmm. sure that uh, there is a safety net mm -hmm. out there and that there is a heart and a care for those children that might be coming there that don't have enough. Yeah. Uh, so those are things we'll continue to look at. Obviously, uh, most importantly, is the creation of jobs yes. and uh, and then in education. Mm -hmm. uh, whenever we uh, provide uh, computer coding, yes. uh, that's a, a skill that we have the, the greatest increase in computer science students come from the minority mm -hmm. uh, side, and and uh, this gives them opportunities that uh, are very important in the technology world. Mm -hmm. So that uh, recruiting uh, jobs here at Arkansas, making sure that uh, we don't overtax and that we can grow our economy, I think that uh, impacts uh, 
everyone on the economic scale. And so, um, I have a question that comes in. Okay, so, uh, so offer your concluding thoughts regarding poverty or anything else that you want to address in regards to Arkansas in regards to your election, your campaign, I'll give you the floor. Well, uh, I'd be honored to have a, a second term. Mm -hmm. uh, it is important that uh, we show compassion mm -hmm. uh, in not just uh, our actions, but also in our rhetoric. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that uh, I'm minded of from time mm -hmm. to time. Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned my background. My wife also had a uh, uh, blue-collar background. Okay. And even though uh, we've never had the, uh, we always felt like we had enough. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I remember uh, my wife, uh, I came home and she's uh, emptying out the uh, uh, the sofa cushions okay. and seeing the coins behind okay. there. And we uh -huh. go and count the, count the coins whenever we're buying our groceries. So we just want to make sure that we understand poverty, yeah. that we understand people, mm -hmm. and that we have a good safety net. So my objectives is to keep a good safety net in place, to create more jobs, and that's done through, you know, a good highway plan. It's my job every day. I recruit industry here, uh, but it's also uh, about uh, lowering taxes mm -hmm. uh, so that uh, there's more money in individuals' pockets. They make decisions and control their own destiny. Yeah. Uh, it's about fairness, okay. uh, and part of that is the uh, criminal justice system to okay. make sure we have those coming out of prison have a good second chance at life. Yeah. Yeah. I encourage employers to hire those that are ex-offenders mm -hmm. um, and to give them a chance at a job. Yeah. So those are things that I think are important in the uh, second term. We'll work on those, and I'd uh, love to have people support. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Joel. So once again, this is Dr. Philip Fletcher, and... Thank you for visiting with us today. This has been Humanity Matters, a resource of the City of Hope Outreach, discussing and reflecting on theology, philosophy, leadership, and nonprofits. For more information, you can visit our website, coho58.org. You can like us on YouTube at Humanity Matters. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And remember, if we live in hope, we can do the impossible. Take care, and God bless.